If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. This is going to be really good. If you're coughing like that, imagine how this is going to do me. I suck salt. That's the problem. Girl. It's too much salt. Man. You, know. you need to I wipe like it off salt. with toilet paper. Oh, that was funny. I put, I did put a picture um, that I took last week of every, like, Courtney and Chad on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. And toilet paper is like right there in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I was blowing my nose constantly. I'm the one that brought that out here. Uh, Sriracha nuts and jalapenos. Well, there's wasabi soy in there too if you want it. Open them up. All right. Well, I guess this is, uh, I guess we should start, huh? Mm -hmm. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Mm -hmm. Hi, bartender Courtney. Hello. Hi, Courtney. Delicious Here. drink. I know. We're if we um we there start are lots of reasons we could be coughing. Ga- <laughs> not gagging. It's not gag worthy. But like sorry. <laughs> right from the start. Sorry. No, I'm just saying like what this is. It takes your breath away sometimes. It takes your breath away. Yes. It does. It's a breathtaking drink a that we've breath-taking had made for us. Drink, yes. It is um a jalapeno honey margarita and um it is made with jalapenos from courtney's garden yes and and she came in saying i don't know how hot these are because you never really know how hot like whatever strain of it is that you planted this year until you start like start digging into them Mm -hmm. and then so far she's inhaled both salt and uh, seed so Mm -hmm. but it's so good and i apologize if i cough and work and whatever because i'm still getting over my shit but um yay oh. nice to have you back mm-hmm. we have just finished the fourth of july yes everybody survived i we it is sunday right now that we're recording mm. and i just watched the women in the u.s uh, like win the world cup of soccer cool just super exciting excellent mm-hmm. they won last year too didn't they mm-hmm. excellent their manager is now one of only two people in the history of World Cup soccer to win two consecutive um, oh, wow. World Cups. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, good. I didn't watch any TV over the 4th of July holiday. Good for you. So, yeah, we had, I, I brought our dog over to my parents' house. Aww. So it was three large dogs being very rambunctious with two 10-year-olds being very rambunctious. Oh, Lord. Yes. And then fireworks? How did they all do And then fireworks? fireworks. Oh, yeah, great. Oh, good. Yeah, none of them really freaked out or anything, and the kids loved the fireworks, and we only set off one car alarm, and nobody <laughs> called the cops, so <laughs> we were pretty fortunate. It was a lot of fun, but <clears throat> I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I'm looking for some normalcy. I'm looking for some no. routine. <laughs> yeah, some routine. Yes, drank a lot. Didn't mean to drink that much. Drank a lot. Which is not normal for me. I drank not much, which is not normal for me either. So, yeah. And I was just, yeah. So I'm feeling it. 
but hair of the dog. This is delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like this is probably one of this my top really good one top five so far and we will share the recipe as we always do so um we if let's see right now this is being released on the 12th of july which means that tomorrow night we will have on the 13th right? a live show at Wetumpka depot theater i love live shows they are so much fun it is gonna be a blast we're really looking forward to it i'm in the process of figuring out what i'm gonna talk about i think i've got it i think i've got it okay but i gotta work on it a little bit yeah i, I have no idea <laughs> i just like cracked open the books i, I guess this afternoon after i finished this story yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah. We're, we'll, it'll be just fine. So. And if you don't know where Wetumpka is, it's near Montgomery, Alabama. So right. if you are anywhere near Montgomery, Alabama, come see us. Starts yes. at 7 p.m. And uh, there's a casino right nearby. So you can always jet over there for a little pre or post show entertainment. True, true. And as we said last week, we are going to probably try and do a little field trip to see the set of Big Fish afterwards the next day. So uh, we're going to have to watch that pretty soon. Mm. Just kind of a little reminder. I know. It's been a while. Well, I don't have much from last show. I talked to Chad, but since Chad was sitting here mm -hmm. during our last recording, which never happens, like mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot that he texted me. I didn't get the long text that Chad normally sends me at the end of a show. So I did get something where he said that there is a movie where Ian McKellen and Ewan McGregor are in the same film together. See, I had to think so hard even just to say that. Right. I'm, I'm having to think hard just to separate the two names I visually know. in my brain. And that's so, if you haven't listened to last week, which I'm going to have to go back and listen to last week too, just to right. figure out what we were talking about. But yes. anyway, that was his, that was his contribution. Oh, I'm sure I said it wrong. I probably said you and you and. Oh, I um, always do. It was yeah. probably, we were probably talking about Big Fish and mm -hmm. I probably made the joke I always make about how I constantly say that Ian Mc Gregor. Ewan. Damn it! Mm. Ian McKellen. Right? <laughs> See, there is. They were in Beauty and the Beast live action, both of them? Really? I didn't like that one either. We went and saw Aladdin last night, and I liked that a lot more than I liked Beauty and the Beast live. Yeah. But they, they made some good decisions of not including a whole bunch of extra superfluous songs. Oh, yeah. But, Mm -mm. It's just confusing when it's already established and they do that. Yes. For my for my 13-year-old brain. Disney's in the middle of all kinds of controversy right now. Because oh. you know, they just announced their Little Mermaid is not a ginger white girl. And all the ginger yes. white girls are all up in arms like, oh my God, I hate you. Disney, all my representation is taken. Right. Oh, Jesus Christ, women. <laughs> no, <laughs> Your women. Your life ain't that hard and it's just a fucking movie about a fish woman. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I was just, no, I was just thinking about the fairy tale book that I have where I first, was it called Little Mermaid and the fairy? I think it was Little Mermaid. It's the fairy tale, like the Grimm's brothers. Mm, Hans Christian Andersen. That, that person's uh, telling and the illustrations are fantastic. It's one of oh, my fav yeah. favorite, favorite illustrations as far as a fairy tale goes. I have beautiful, like gilded 
book of Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, a little tiny thing that I bought in a rare bookshop in New York one time, years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. But I've known the original telling of yeah. The Little Mermaid forever, too, you forever. know, since way before Disney did theirs. And I was like, and all these, all these girls who grew up with the little mermaid are like this is not like the original and i'm like you know what happens in the original sweetheart like she tries to stab her boyfriend to death and then she turns into sea foam i was right? like go ahead and enjoy that <laughs> we can all go with that that's a fine. book for you <laughs> no so i spent the only thing i tried to get a listener lore from my sister-in-law because she is one of those people that has things happen to her as well just as my friend um Rebecca does. And I didn't know this until we started talking. And one of their favorite places is Savannah, Georgia. Oh. And she was there with my brother on vacation. They were doing the ghost tour. And she stepped into one of the cemeteries there and passed out. Whoa. Like she was overcome, like blacked out. And she also saw a... uh, she saw a ghost, but it was um, probably, like, from, like, the Gullah Gullah people, mm-hmm. um, old dress and everything, like, during that time. I don't think it was on the tour. I think it was, like, at a different part or whatever, but, yeah, so she, and I didn't ever, I could never, like, get a time to pin where there weren't, like, kids and three huge dogs all trying to <laughs> buy for our attention, right? <laughs> So that's going to happen. It's going to be listener lore. It's going to come up soon. She can tell us the whole scoop about her and her experiences. So. I've got to get a, I've got to get on a couple people too. I've got one recorded that we got to I got to talk to you about that. Anyways, we've got okay. some listener lore coming up. Excellent. I am first this week, I you think. You are. I get to sit back and drink. Mm. Like your whole weekend. Mhm. <laughs> Exactly. This is a weird one, and I've had it on my list for a while, and it was another one that I was like, I don't know that I'm ever going to do this because I don't know. But I was just like, fuck it. So I'm going to do it this time. Do it. So. Jalapeno. I've got to laugh right now like like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins when he's the old guy. I was like. Can you hear that? I'm still not over that. That did not sound good. (laughs) Please don't die. Um, Here we go. So this is in Tennessee. I actually found this when I was searching for our um, story for the show, the live show at PodX in Nashville. So uh, in February of 2018, I know. That was like last year. And uh, Yeah. Sorry. This isn't one. I like last last week I went like all old school, like 1800s. Now we're we're back in the future. Um, There was an article in 2018 uh, in the Nashville Scene magazine by Megan Selling about an extreme haunted house that had moved from San Diego to Summertown, Tennessee, which is it's only like an hour and a half, mostly south, a little bit east of Nashville. Okay. so it's like kind of just north of the Alabama line. Mm hmm. The place is called McCamey Manor, and it's run by a guy named Russ McCamey. He was a theater major in college, and he had a 23-year career in the Navy. This is a not-for-profit haunted immersive experience. The house was moved from San Diego to Nashville? 
the house wasn't moved. So Courtney just said the house was moved from San Diego to Nashville. No, the experience, like his okay. his business doing this, right. was moved from San Diego to Nashville. So he had a haunted house in San Diego. He did. Okay. And um, so the the one in Tennessee, and actually the one in San Diego too, was not for profit. All it costs to get in is a bag of dog food. He has five oh. rescue dogs who live in his house. They're a whole. He he made some comment on one of the things I found about how like Tennessee sucks with taking care of dogs, and I'm like, mm. welcome to the south. Welcome They're all the loose. South. Like that's how right. it gets. But he he takes these and he uses them to feed rescue dogs, which is very sweet. Yeah, that is very sweet. So, um, according to Russ McCamey, more than twenty seven thousand people have requested to tour or go through what he calls his show. And only a very small fraction get in. So he weeds out 95% of the people, he says, who apply to go through his attraction. Oh, smart. Um, one at a time, almost always one at a time. There could be two or three people periodically at a time, but generally it's a one at a time kind of thing. So I wasn't familiar with the whole extreme or immersive haunted house thing. I had never heard of anything like this before. Um that's probably because I hate haunted houses with a passion. Correct. Like I have that. Just in line for haunted house. No way. I mean, I think I already told this story about how like the one that I went to as a kid was like in a public library and I broke down crying like before I even got past the first curtain. So there was that one. And then there was one. Okay. So (laughs) several years ago around the corner from my house, there's this place called the haunted forest. They don't do it anymore, but there was a family Mm -hmm. who lived off of our road that used to, um, take their property and cover it with a, they made a maze basically out of bed sheets and they had, yeah. And they had people with masks and everything hiding inside and they called it the haunted forest. And, um, my niece, when she was probably like 10 said, all she wanted from me for her birthday, which was in October was to go to this haunted house. And so since she was at my house and I was like, let's do it. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going right. to do it. Being so I take aunt. my, I'm, I was like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to face my fears for my kid, my nephew, my niece, and we're going to go do this. And so like I, our friend Ellen went with us too. And, um, and my sister-in-law Lynn and Emma, and we all get to this place and it's, it's fine. It's chill. You know, you, you go in, you start going around and like, there's some, like you walk around one corner and there is legit a dude with a legit chainsaw, like coming at you from like a hovel, you know, like yeah. out of the Where corner. is your mother? Didn't she teach you not to play <laughs> with live chainsaws? So an hour, and I was like, this is like, it was pretty, it was probably very tame haunted house fair, but I was like, oh my God. So I started, I got into a run at one point and Ellen like turned her foot and I was just like, you just leave them behind. Like run, <laughs> save yourself. She still isn't forgiving me for that either. Everyone for themselves. Everyone for themselves. <laughs> at one point, somebody had his um, legs hooked, his knees hooked over a, a tree branch and he, f- he dropped down into like, you know, into your path. And I swear to God, I probably took his teeth out with my elbow. Like, I don't like, if you get that close to me and I'm scared, I will, I will strike you. Violence. And so we end up, so we've run, you know, we've left Ellen behind and Lynn and Emma and I are like closed in, in this corner of this like bedsheet maze. And we're like, Oh my God, we don't know where to go. There was no exit. And here come chainsaw guy and werewolf guy. And they're like walking to us. And we're like, we have nowhere to go. We're like cowering together in a corner and slowly like werewolf guy just like raises one finger and points because like we passed the exit and he's just oh, like, we nice. can't do anything with you now. Like go, just go. I was like, we have so, other customers. You're holding up the line. So needless to say, I am not the target audience for this type of attraction. And so I've never really looked into it, you know, but this is not an unusual sort of thing. This is actually kind of a, a 
it's like a movement or something. Mm. Mm. So in the case that you're not familiar with these either, there's a New York Times article It says immersive or extreme haunted houses put their participants, typically a single member at a time, in intense physical and psychological situations, placing them inside their own real life horror film. A safe word is issued as their only means of opting out. Oh, shit. So this is like it's a big thing and it's it's like an industry. So there are many of these. A lot of them are based in like film and theater cities. So you'll find them in like Los Angeles and Chicago and New York and Las Vegas. Because they pay, exactly, like they're paying professionals to design the sets and do the makeup and, you know, do the sound and write the screenplays for them. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's like it's actually putting them in a movie, basically. But um, most of them, like they generally, it's like, and it's, a lot of them are like the saw. I mean, it's like torture porn kind of shit. Oh, God. So um, they generally operate like only a few runs a year. A lot of these do. And they're usually not cheap. Like one of them priced at like $175 a pop to go through. So what McKamey is doing isn't unusual. I think the way that he's doing it is pretty unusual. So what is he doing? Um, Russ McKamey says if you want to go to McKamey Manor, you have to go to his website and go through a detailed screening process and grit your teeth before you go to his website because it's it's absolute shit i mean like he needs a designer like nobody's business it is like it came straight off of angel fire from like 1992 but that's um, the first test oh it's bad (laughs) but um but so he says that he requires drug tests he requires sports physicals um documented signed by a doctor he requires pre um pre-show skype interviews with anyone who wants to participate stop stop go like did you say like doctor approved written approval to he says that he requires anybody who wants to participate to have a complete doctor physical before they are allowed to come to his attraction because he's worried about them having heart attacks basically oh my god why why people why? <laughs> Why? See, I'm saying we are not the target audience here. I don't understand. Okay, go ahead. And he requires, and Courtney's like, I would go. Just wait, though. Wait until I tell you what this is like. Okay. So he requires background checks. Um, if you go through all this stuff, and he says a lot of people start this process just as a lark and they never go through because well, they have to spend money to get all this stuff done, right. too. Right. But he does have people from like other, I mean, he's got people from all 50 states who have come and done his attractions. So, um, Um, if you make it through all these things, then what you're buying into with your bag of dog food is some places he says it's a 10 hour ordeal. And some places he says it's a 36 hour show. Um, that is your, that's your experience. It, It probably could go anywhere from 10 to 36 hours if it's the complete experience, according to him. And, um, if you get all the way through it, you win $20,000. Um, the show, he calls them shows, so that's what I'm saying, is designed for each participant based on things that they're afraid of. Um, so, you know, they are supposed to report all this stuff to him, and they are also allowed to choose some things that are off limits that he's not allowed to use. Mm. Um, they have to sign a contract that, depending on which interview with him you listen to or pay attention to, is 10 pages or 40 pages long, where they have to initial every single, like, item on the contract. That's basically a liability waiver that says you may be subjected to 
and lists everything he could possibly do to you. And you have to initial everything. Um, in the San Diego house that he had, <clears throat> and this is another thing. So he's a nonprofit. So a lot of these other ones that we're talking about, like they're, they're like studio sets, you know, they're like in big warehouses and they've got right. smoke machines and shit. He, in San Diego, like he operated this out of like basically a ranch style house in a neighborhood that smelled like dog pee inside, according to one of the articles. Um, so in the San Diego one, there was a Guardian article that wrote about this. <laughs> this is what they think about the United States. It began, the one that they wrote about began with an abduction. And I think a lot of them did. So the, uh, I'm just going to quote from this article. It all happens very fast. One moment they're standing in the sunshine. The next they're in a gloomy cops on their knees, hands bound with masking tape wrapped around their heads. As instructed, they crawl into a pool of fetid water by a storm drain. And then these people who have, quote unquote, abducted them, start like, you know, mocking them and yelling at them. Um, one of the women has her face shoved into the water and then he yanks her out by her hair and shoves her face back into the water again. Um, a guy who is there with her gets smacked around, slapped around. They pull his hair out in like tufts. They don't even just like pull his hair. They are pulling his hair out of his scalp and ramming a rag in his mouth and like, it's like mocking like him and saying, are you going to cry sex level? Kind of it's weird, right? Torture shit. So, and now they've noted in this guardian article, all of this happened before they signed the liability waivers, but the contract signing process is where most people quit. So they start you out with this. And usually, usually everybody, he said like very few people like percentage wise, make it even past the first eight minutes of this experience. And the contract can take up to three to four hours because he makes you read everything aloud and videotapes it so that he can prove in multiple different ways that you've read your liability waiver and initial everything. He says he gets, so they're doing all this kind of stuff to you while you read your contract and sign it. He says he gets a lot of Navy SEALs. He gets a lot of people who have come off of active duty. He gets a lot of special ops and police coming to do it. Um, he said, so after, if you make it through your contract signing process, and again, this was in the San Diego house, um, they would, one guy said they forced them through a claustrophobic, like maze of cages while they shot them with hoses. Some people said there was like a cage that'll put over your head and force feed you like nasty shit. Oh. Um, they could choke you. There's a video of them choking someone. Um, some people say that they had teeth pulled. Some people say they were tased. Some people say they were shot up with hallucinogens. Some people said if you throw up in there because of the experience that you're having, they make you eat it. Some people said they were waterboarded. Um, they, they'll have like tarantula. And they didn't know. say their safe word? <clears throat> but this isn't haunting? No, this is... This, this is, is what extreme haunting was for him. And I mean, think about it. Think about some of the horror movies, though. You know, I mean, like like the that saw and things like just this. It's because a horror of that. thing. Yeah, that's not so, horror. That's torture. Uh, so, like, I watched videos. It was, and some of the stuff was like, you know, you eat roaches or you have tarantulas put on your. It was like Fear Factor. Um, so I watched some of his videos because he live streams every participant. Either, and I think, like, I don't know that everybody can just watch it on a YouTube sta station. He has, like, a fan group or something that, of former participants or prospective participants, I think, that can watch all the videos of the live streams and stuff. But he has a lot of them out there that you can watch. And I almost got sick just looking at some of it. Because, again, I'm not the target audience here. Um, but, Thank um, God. 
So he has, he says that um, in the San Diego house, he said he never touched anybody. He, it was all volunteers who did the tormenting. Um, oh, yeah. He's really, okay, he's, I, I, well, he's, he would save himself some liability that mm-hmm. way, right? Um, for a long time in San Diego, he actually touted it on there being no safe word. That the, the volunteers who were running the house would decide when you were done. And they, they got in like some potential legal issues with that. Nothing, nothing ever, you know, no lawsuits or anything, but they decided to add a safe phrase. Um, and it's like the safe phrase is like, you know, McKamey Manor kicked my butt, ate my lunch, blah, blah. I quit. You really don't want to do this. And he records it and puts it up. Like everybody's quitting safe phrase. He records and puts up on Mm -hmm. YouTube. Um, so the San Diego attraction lasted for more than 10 years. And he says the one that's now in Tennessee is different from San Diego. He says it's a one-man show, that he's the only one who does it. He doesn't have volunteers running it, is what he says. He says, again, there is a safe word now. Um, he says he uses hypnosis, mind control, military interrogation techniques. He says, my job is to get inside your head. I can make you believe whatever I want. He says he doesn't rough you up um, because he doesn't have to. He says he can make you do things to yourself. And he says to him, it's scarier than the version in San Diego. And so um, if people want to do this one in Summertown, Tennessee, they um, they come there, they do their contract process, you know, torture <laughs> there in Summertown. And then he like kind of abducts them and drives them to other locations around Tennessee or to Huntsville, Alabama, where another one of his locations is supposedly, you know, this is how they say it happens. He says, so I happened to come upon this like, one week after he did a live chat with a, like a YouTuber called fistful of jokes, I think is what they were. And in that he says that in his Tennessee location, there is a 200 yard underwater maze. You can come up every 15 feet, but there's a Cayman alligator in there named Ralphie and he is trained to bite you. And if you get a selfie with him, you can get $10,000 extra. He says that there is a two-mile underground Alice in Wonderland scene with giant animatronics, including a Cheshire cat that puts you in its mouth, and you have to find out how to get yourself out. You have two hours to get out, or you will be hydraulically crushed as the walls close in. He says you can be buried alive, hung upside down over a Houdini tank filled with moray eels. He says you can be put inside a crematorium and threatened with fire. Um, He says in one spot, the floor falls out from under you, and you fall 250 feet into the water. And, um, let's see what else he, oh, he says there was a woman who called into this live YouTube chat, um, named Susan, who was a survivor of one of these. I mean, she hadn't won, but she had gone through some of the Tennessee one. And he said that she swam with 300 live snakes and got hypothermia. It was what he said. Um, he calls it basically a game show with consequences. Um, he's like a kind of puritan. So every time you cuss, you lose $500 off of what you would win if you made it all the way through, which no one has ever done. The control freak. He says that there are like get out of jail free cards and you can lose them, you know, for everything that you don't make it through. Most people quit in 10 minutes. Um, So like he's got a a huge number of fans. I bet. And um, people who go through his show sometimes come back time and time again. Many of them come back to the San Diego one, all of his actors and volunteer were volunteers who had gone through it themselves before and like got such a kick out of it that they went back to, you know, be that to other people. Um, 
I think one of the things that gives me pause about this is in like the professional ones that are for profit and making money. Like there's probably a lot more like legal requirement for their people who are in their haunted like experience to be able to deal with things like panic attacks and any kind of medical issues that somebody might have if they were going through this kind of thing. And I would guess that if he's a not for profit with volunteers, they probably don't have that training, but you know, I don't, I don't know. He's also like in Tennessee too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I ask that a lot. So yeah. What? So he says that he has sunk like a million dollars into it, but he's, you know, he was um, working as a a disabled veterans advocate. And so he had a full-time job. He had, he said he pulled it from his 401k. So he pulled it from his Navy money and his savings. Um, He did lose that job. And that's why he left San Diego, according to him, was because he couldn't afford to live in San Diego anymore after he got downsized. Um, But I don't know how he has the money to do. And I think part of this is like the smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. part of it that I'm going to get to. Um, So before I say that, though, I will say like not everybody in San Diego loved him, of course. Well, yeah. And um, the police in Summertown haven't been nuts about him either. I guess not. Um, Several like former participants in San Diego had charged him with going too far, which you might expect. Um, There were a bunch of San Diego Tribune articles about it. Like people said he didn't honor the safe phrase. And he says that that's not true. But there was one video on his website that it's even a video that he recommends people who are going to be participants watch. He's like, he kind of says, if you want to know about us, watch this one called mind over manner. And, um, I watched it and I watched someone start to say the safe phrase. And I watched him put his hand over her mouth and say he couldn't hear her. So I'm like, okay, well, that's a thing. And he said that he didn't touch people in San Diego, but it really did sound like his voice. Um, He told a reporter, oh, yeah, I've said that already. So the article in the Nashville scene that got my attention to all of this said that, like, the Lawrence County is where Summertown is and that the um, district attorney had received dozens of complaints when it first opened up and cops had gone to the property because they thought there was a hostage situation and they had drawn guns on him because somebody had reported that there was a lady locked in the cellar and you know, they had to all get together and explain that this is a consensual situation. And, but there was like, there was some pretty big community uproar and he was like, these are just yokels. Like they just don't. And I was like, no, this is kind of normal. I would think like anybody would be like, Oh shit, right. please don't abduct people in my neighborhood. Right. Um, like you kind of report <clears throat> the house where they're screaming coming from. Seriously. Right? And you know, he always says like, I have these liability waivers for a reason. Nothing we do is illegal. Um, but you know, the, the district attorney was like, imp- like, emphatically pointing out he's like consent can be withdrawn at any time so you're walking a pretty fine line here Mm -hmm. um but um you know it's funny like as much as i saw from this guy russ mckamey while i was researching this it's like like i said he's a puritan he's pretty clean cut he's a fucking wedding singer like he is like and and courtney's got this face on like oh my god because it's it's so weird. Like, it's almost like there's this dichotomy of personality here, but, um, you know, and, and there were, there were grumblings at one point that he financed the manor by running a betting, like a betting ring on how far participants would get. And that was why he live streamed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I haven't seen any like background for that or anything like that, but, um, he constantly says that there's no danger, nothing dangerous about the show. He says himself, it's a mind game. It's an illusion. It's entertainment. 
But in the next breath, he says that if you're not mentally like ready for a game like this, it could kill you. He like regularly refers to the story of a woman who had a heart attack and drowned in one of his shows because she lied on her physical fitness exam papers. But in another article, he said, quote, someone had a heart attack once, but they're fine now. Like he has a former like the woman who called into that live chat. Yet, like, everything she said, he was like, why don't you tell them about this? Why don't you tell them about this? Like, he's leading her into saying certain things. Like, one of the stories she said was that she was dragged on a chain behind a truck. And I've seen videos of people doing this for him. But in one article, some one of the reporters asked about this, and he said it was just a trick for one of his videos, and the person wasn't actually being dragged. And if you look in court records, there are no, no lawsuits. Um, there have been no – he's never been arrested for physical harm. Um, though there have been police reports filed. Um, but you know, it's weird. Like that Nashville scene reporter says in her article that the show is just an illusion. She says there is no Cayman. There is no Ralphie, the, the alligator living in an underwater maze. There are no animatronic cats. There is no prize money. He just knows how to break people and trick them into thinking that he's driving them to multiple locations, for instance, when he's really just driving a car in circles while they're getting yelled at and screamed at and abused in the back of the car, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that, that explanation really isn't that far afield of him saying, this is just an illusion. This is just smoke and mirrors. Right. But like, then she writes this article posted online. And the first comment on the article is him responding, saying, like, I can't believe that you're saying that this is all, you know, fake. It's, it's a lie, everything that you've said. And I challenge you to come do, you know, the thing and find out whether it's really true. Um, because one of the things she pointed out was, like, if, if people generally don't make it more than 10 minutes, you know, you don't have to have all that stuff that you claim you have down the road because nobody gets there anyway. So um, it's interesting because one of the, like in the live chat that I listened to, he calls himself P.T. Barnum. Like he says, I'm basically like the Wizard of Oz. I am a showman. I am like, it's, and I really, I, I think that that is really the crux of it. As fucked up as I personally think all this like, you know, abuse would be. Cause I think psychologically that could really fuck with you. Like even if he's not physically hurting people, oh, yeah. but they're, they're signing up for it. Right. And you know, they're trying to test their own metal basically and see how far they can get. And, um, he like, he, I think probably plants a lot of his own haters and plants a lot of these stories of things that have been done to them in this place just to get more like, like PT Barnum, you know, right. like just to get more, more Attention. advertising. Yeah. So anyway, it's, uh, if you're into that kind of thing, maybe do some research. I, I definitely not for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's a crack of shit and a little bit fucked up, but, um, right. That's so that's in Tennessee right now. You know, I heard about this from my brother. No way. This place, this place. Cause he's like, cause when we first started, talking about doing this podcast he's like you know there's this guy from california who was like really into this fucked up torture shit mm -hmm. it's like and he's moved to tennessee and brought it to tennessee he's and he's got all these followers he's like you should talk about that well <laughs> and <you're> i'm welcome <laughs> i'm like nah mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why i was like man it was weird. I seriously did. Like I'm, I made myself a little ill looking at some of it because oh. like, you know, I don't, I don't have the constitution for that kind of shit. Like no. I don't even watch fear factor, you know, I right. mean, like it's, <laughs> I'm pretty, 
All right. So, yeah. I'm so that's tainted. the story of McKamey Manor. <clears throat> wow. I'm glad to know about it now. Yeah. And then, you know, now I've got to maybe peek and look to see what's going on. But definitely questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On so many levels. <laughs> So, if you have gone through it. I would be very interested to hear. I would, too. Yeah. So, take a break. Break. Awesome. All right, we're back. Your turn. Woohoo! Well, now I feel a little um, underdressed. (laughs) After that one. (laughs) They can't see you, so they don't even know. Patrice just disrobed in the in-between. Okay, so this is basically a backroads tale. Cool. And it's not even really a tale. It's a place. And I'm going to be talking about Bear Creek Swamp. And have you heard about it? I have, but I can't remember why. It's in. It was like a side note in some of the things I was looking at. Oh. Got so Bear Creek Swamp is actually one of the largest swamps in Alabama. And it's in central Alabama. It's northwest of Montgomery, I think. And it's off, it's like a secluded dirt road just off of Highway 14. And it's really an ancient swamp. And that's what really makes this this whole area kind of cool because of how old it is and because of the Native American tribes that have lived there. Mm. Uh, It's like black, cold, fetid water swamp, you know, just old trees yeah (laughs) just like blah scary you know reeks with the stench of decay of things dying so the earth eating the earth eating things um it is located in a toga county Otaga? Otaga. Thank you. Otaga county uh which is 20 minutes north of montgomery basically in prattsville not far from where we'll be this weekend. Right. Pretty close. And I thought about saving this one for um, Watonka, but I don't know. I have to talk to you about this later, but how do you feel about doing local stuff at local places when they probably know the tales better than we do? Yeah, I, I managed to find like a, a loophole. Okay, good. So I'm not doing that. Whoop. I wish you could see. Wish you could see that little gesture just she just did. No. <laughs> it was like a pinky swear, right? but like with a flourish. With a flourish, right. That's our loophole signal there. But this area is actually like, it's uh, the, the habitation of this area is older than the state itself. Um, Atoga. Did I say that right? Atoga? I think it's Otaga. Otaga. Is that right, Courtney? Otaga. Yeah. Otaga County, um, like I said, had a lot of Native American history uh, associated with the Creek tribe, which was pretty prevalent in that area and around like the Coosa River and such. So Otoga, Otaga, uh, Tawasa Indians, were also made up part of this Creek Confederacy that lived there for a long time. Um, they were descendants of the Alabamas, Alabamu. I love it when you pronounce things. <laughs> I'm so glad you do. 
because it's really horrible. <laughs> Alabama natives, which was the inhabitants for about a thousand years. So they've been there a fucking long time. And the Alabamas is, is, is basically the where Alabama got its name. That's awesome because I never knew that. Yes. So from this tribe. So we even stole our name from people. Oh, well, yeah. That's, that's what we do. I mean, everything like Mississippi, Alabama, all originated from Native American names of things. So, ancient tribe lived there because, um, hold on, uh, and they were documented living there as early as the mid-1500s when um, the French explorers and stuff, well, 1500s when uh, Hernando de Soto came along and um, discovered them living there, and um, then later on when the French explorers came about in the 1700s, and they were living amongst the banks of the Coosa and the Telapalooza River. All right. Just do, 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 do. Scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> Trying to be a little bit more interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm interested. So they they built up, you know, they've had the civilization there. French settlers came in. Then they started making fortifications. And... um. There was actually uh, Fort Toulouse. Fort Toulouse was along there, and it was overseen by Fort Jackson, which is basically Watomka. Mm. Other times it ties into Watomka. Anyway, there's a lot of uh, trading going on between the Crete Indians and the French settlers there up until Andrew Jackson made everybody move and trelateers and all that happened. He was a bastard. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. And there are some branches of the Alabama tribe that still can be found in western parts of Mississippi and Louisiana. Mm. So they basically reloc- got relocated, and but there's still some members and descendants of this tribe around today. So let's talk about the magical well that's supposed to be in this area. And... I did a little research about um, looking for the Fountain of Youth. Because, that wait, who was whole, that? Was that, that was DeSoto, DeSoto that was looking for the Fountain of Youth? Right. And I may do an episode on that because I found, actually, it was kind of a, some funny stuff. <laughs> as funny I as did it a, can I be. I did a book report on it when I was in, like, fifth grade, but that's all I remember. And right. I don't really remember. I drew a picture. Right. And, and I think that's kind of what he was, <laughs> he was looking for. But this swamp area... Um, it's supposed to have like water and springs that come up that are have medicinal powers, heal the sick, cleanse the soul um, from a, a spiritual perspective, probably gives you or probably doesn't give you dysentery if it's more freshwater spring <laughs> than probably what you would. Hooray! Hooray! No dysentery! <laughs> um, then, Ooh. you know, then if you try to drink swampy water. <laughs> But the uh, Ataga, Ataga, (laughs) did I do it? Did I do it? Ataga um, Indians uh, built their village around these springs in the swamp because of the sacred water. It was clean. It was fresh. They could drink from it. And so these little societies built up around there. So wait, can I, can, uh, okay. uh So there's the swamp. That's like the fetid, nasty, earth eats now it is. water. But, but but it didn't used to be. It didn't. I don't think it used to be. I okay. think it did have these springs that would would come forth. Um, and they called it uh, a, a tagi, which means pure water. 
And there's tons of Native American stories that they share about uh, this area and this water that are very similar to some of the stories that are still being perpetuated by locals who live there. Oh, even though now it's fetid nasty water? Now it's still, yeah, now that it's fetid nasty water. Mm -hmm. So the Indians have, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. The Native Americans have... Uh, the Creek people. Yes, the Creek people have this tale of um, this great spirit who rested harmoniously in this lush forest along with Native, they are who lived in this lush forest along with Native American people. And one day, like a great dragon came and ravaged the land and, you know, brought disease and hunger and devastation in its wake. Whoa. And, uh, the ancient people basically they pleaded with the great spirit who they you know lived side by side with to relieve them of this terrible burden and what the great spirit did is it banished the dragon deep underground and they know that the dragon was there underground because it would shake the earth and make the ground tremble and springs of water would erupt um, from the ground. Oh. And that's how they they talk about the folklore of the springs coming forth. And it's interesting them talking about the ground shaking too, because I'm wondering if that may be like earthquakes mm -hmm. or, or, or what kind of, uh, you know, how that happens or maybe just the ground. I don't know. I don't know much about springs that it, abrupt like yeah you know, if it makes I was like is it a geyser is or, it because there are earthquakes here i mean right? there, there have been earthquakes here not even that long ago so right mm -hmm. so this is this is how they they talk about it and talk about the presence and this water is very sacred to them and they also feel that once the water erupted that the great spirit like had things to protect the water and some of these things were like elementals, like elemental forces. And this is some of the stuff that people talk about seeing in the swamp or in this area where this happened. Are there floating orbs of light? Well, funny, you should mention that. <laughs> um, so present day, so this is kind of the background of the swamp in the area. You know, rich Native American um, history behind it. Nowadays, people go and visit it because they hear of things um, happening in the swamp. And so this teenage couple went out um, and was driving around the swamp a few years ago. And they came across like this scantily clad woman. <laughs> but she, a scantily clad older woman and she was like in ragged clothes and she was crouching near like one of the streams the bank of the creek that, that runs through there and they were like really concerned about her and they were like asking like do you need assistance can we do something and the the guy of the couple reached out to touch her which first of all <laughs> is inappropriate inappropriate <laughs> Always ask consent before you touch half-dressed women that you come across in kneeling by in a swamp, right? <laughs> um, so as soon as he touched her, um, she, like, shrinked away from him and started, like, freaking out. And she was, like, she was very pale. She was very gaunt. Uh, her clothes were torn. Her hair was white and mangled and crazy. Um 
So when he reached out and touched her, she like jerked away from him and he saw that he, she had like yellow eyes and she, she ran away. And so they started chasing her through the swamp, like, you know, cause they were concerned cause she just like totally freaked out on them. And so they, she like, they chased her and then they lost her and they couldn't find her again. And they actually went and reported it to the sheriff. Like they saw that this lady, cause obviously she was real enough to them, mm-hmm. but this well, kind of, if he like, if he almost touched, I mean, it's like, right. Then you're right. That he was that close and interacting with them. But it's like stuff like this kind of happens a lot. Or there's been recordings of, of stuff of seeing a woman by, you know, the Creek there, and the story goes that apparently a woman in the 1800s lost her baby to the swamp. I don't know how that happens, <laughs> but lost her baby to the swamp and that she hangs out there and is keeps looking for her child. And so oh. there's been like very, there's been a lot of reports of seeing a woman in mist by hunters and everybody in this location. So... That was like the most realistic description that I've come across of like somebody coming up to this woman who looks, you know, whole and like a real person. And then she just disappears. Like yellow eyes. And the yellow eyes. And that comes up a lot too. And, you know, I never really heard about elementals and that being like a thing in the forest until like some people that I went to school with talked about like there being an elemental out at three-legged lady road that somebody has seen and talking about them having yellow eyes too so just weird so I mean uh, what is an elemental then I meant to look this up Insert dialogue about <laughs> elementals here. Mark, mark, mark that monkey. Mark that monkey, right? <laughs> um, so a local hunter uh, who was on a hunting trip with his son close to Highway 14 uh, had a strange figure that caught his eye as well in the woods. And um, he, he was actually like tracking a deer earlier that day that – um, had gotten away, but was bleeding. So he was following the blood trail. And then he came across this white, like mist apparition of a woman hovering near the Creek bank. And, uh, then she just like disappeared. And he also reported her as well. And he said that when him and his son came across her and they saw her, that he just kind of froze He's like, you, he's like, it's just the weirdest thing that you come across this person. It's like, and you don't know. Obviously, he didn't go up and try to touch her like the other guy did. Mm-hmm. But he just, like, froze, and then she just, like, evaporated or whatever. Weird. I know. Um, so this has become, just like Three-Legged Lady Row, kind of a local pastime. People go out there at midnight just to see stuff. Uh According, you know, one of the things, just like we did with Three-Legged Lady Road, where you go out there and you beep your horn three yeah. times, you know, and Three-Legged Lady is supposed to chase you to the end of the lane. Uh, you go out there, you turn your car off, and you wait for a ghostly woman to come out after you've taunted her by saying, I have your baby three times. That's awful. I know. It is awful. Oh, if you've done, you are an asshole. <laughs> that is so mean. You deserve to be haunted. She should eat you. Right? Um, it's become like a big thing for paranormal enthusiasts. There's like a lot of um, YouTube videos of people out there at the swamp. 
I yeah. want to go troll all these people. Like, <laughs> I have your baby, son of a bitch. <laughs> There's reports of like strange balls of light um, floating around the area at night. They say, obviously, you know, some of this is like swamp. You think swamp gas, mm-hmm. but there's actually a video out there. And I've never seen really what swamp gas, like a video of swamp gas and what it actually looks like. I just, all I keep on picturing is like the, the, the princess bride. <laughs> <laughs> like rents of unusual size. <laughs> like, geysers popping up. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, so there's, you know, strange balls of light can be seen floating around, but some have say that is actually a car. Like they've seen like phantom cars come out there and drive towards you and then disappear. Mm. So, so just all kinds of weird stuff. And again, this is all attributed to the Native Americans protecting their sacred land. And, um, you know, people have said that they've actually seen Native Americans or they've seen soldiers out there, um, you know, walking around the swamps as well. There's been like a lot of documented disappearances of people um, missing who have last been known um, to be seen at Bear Creek Swamp. And um, there's also been several found that were already dead. So it's just crazy. Again, crazy stuff. And just to add to it, um, there's been sightings of Bigfoot. (laughs) And... Things that have occurred, like the wood knocking, which could that they attribute to Sasquatch uh, communication of like knocking on the trees when you're out there. There's a lot of people have heard the wood knocking. Um, oh, that's I supposed didn't know to be a sign that. of communication from Sasquatch. <clears throat> but to support this, there's been tales by Native Americans. Um, Creek word for uh, hairy man is honka. <laughs> 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 hunka, hunka, hairy man. <laughs> and also, um, other Alabama tribes call it the E. <laughs> the the Eachaba. The Eachaba, oh. which means wild man. And there's our counts of Native Americans uh, actually trading alongside some of these humanoid-like creatures. Really? So there's, there's you know, folklore being passed down, talking about Native Americans in the area, seeing Sasquatch Bigfoot-like beings, and also maybe doing a little side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to read you just a couple of accounts that I found on some wits. There's, there's a lot of information about the swamp, and there's a lot of people talking about things that they've experienced there. And I'm going to read you just a couple. There was one guy who saw a white light coming towards him when he was out there with his friends, and they hurried back to their car um, wanting to leave. And, of course, the car wouldn't crank. That always happens. Always happens. Not unusual, though, for cars in the area right i don't know i was gonna say i was like all these stories come from teenagers half the time so they've got like their grandpa's like shit right. cat right or whatever that's what and it's I'm like thinking. it didn't crank yesterday at the dairy queen either dude <laughs> like right. it's like the dairy queen ain't haunted <laughs> um there's also an account of this guy um going out there and taunting uh 
the, the woman's spirit saying that, I have your baby, I have your baby. And he says a moment later, his door opened and something grabbed his ankle and he looked down, freaking out, and there was nothing there. It should have just hauled him out of the car exactly. and just like thrown him in the swamp. In the sand. swamp with all the snakes. Uh, the there's another account side. of two, <laughs> like this, two very country looking gentlemen. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> two very country looking gentlemen pulled up beside in an old truck to these people who are out there. And they kind of stopped and talked to them for a little bit and claimed that they owned the property. <laughs> and then they said, like, you know, y'all can be out here. Just clean up when you're done. And then once the people drove off, they got behind them in their old truck and started like riding on the tail, flashing their lights and beeping. I was like, I can believe that's a that's actually legit. That's legit, and that is probably the scariest <laughs> yeah. story out there that's right just now. Like, you know what? In the Heinz Road in Gadsden, the Heinz Road witch. That was the scariest story. It was like when people coming out and like just following you down the road. Yes. I was like, these guys got some side shit going on over here. You know, and they do. Well, they're probably <laughs> sitting. Out on their porch with some beers going, oh shit, Bubba. Luke just drove down the road. Go put your shoes on. Let's go have some fun. Let's go have some fun. <laughs> There's another account of um, a guy going out there at 3 a.m. and he told his friend to let him out at this water drain area and drive down the road and turn around and come back and pick him up. Why? <laughs> That is the question of the night, really. I feel like that encompasses a lot of what we've talked about tonight. Why? Why? But it was a thing that they did. He did. He got out, stood there in the dark. And it's like while he was standing there and he watched his friend go down and turn around at the very end, he heard this really loud scream from what like sounded like a woman and a lot of movement in the swamp that was close by and he saw red eyes staring at him and about that time his friend drove back and picked him up and they got out mm. of there it was his friend screaming yes that's what he's doing <laughs> uh there was another account of um a guy a couple helping this other person to get unstuck they got stuck on the side of the road and so once they got them out there and they left their car got stuck oh and he had never heard anything about the area or the folklore around um the area but he was saying that um you know while they were trying to get the car and stuck and it, it got nighttime he started hearing like really weird things and started seeing some weird things and he told his friend, he's like, hey, you know, this is happening. And his friend was like, yes. And that's why we are trying to hurry and leave <laughs> because he had no idea about the area and about, you know, the myth and the lore behind the stuff. So in the end, this mythical, magical waters, um, you know, are still being guarded by the old spirits of in Native Americans. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel so bad when I say Indians. <laughs> Native Americans and um, being still protected by the spirits of the land. And just beware if you go to Bear Creek Swamp in Alabama. You may get more than you asked for. I do not want to go to there. I do not either. <laughs>
Thank you. So, elemental is a supernatural entity or for thought to be physical, physically manifested by occult means. Oh. Our Native American woo-woo priest. Woo-woo. <laughs> Oh, so you can touch it, but it's like being projected. Is that the kind of the idea? Like supernatural, but supernaturally interesting, physically supernatural. Marvel superheroes. I kind of want. I kind of want to drive. I'm more afraid of the two bubbas and the pickup right? truck. That's a than real threat. Anything else? But yes, I would totally want to do that now. Mm. Another little notch on our map of things to do <laughs> things we never have time to do. <laughs> we never have time to do because we have to adult i know oh lord uh, so <laughs> okay well thank y'all for listening um sorry yes Everybody wish Marlea get well. I'm fine. And on the road to recovery. And we hope to see you at the Watomka show tomorrow night. Yay! Yay! Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So, Marlea, you're all the time talking about this goat house bar in Montgomery that you went to and had this fantastic time. So, tell me about it. So, the goat house beer garden is where I like to go when I'm in Montgomery because I could, like, I I go, I see a show, I visit Jackson Island where the big fish set is, or I protest stupid fucking decisions of our government. (laughs) And the goat house is the place where I like to go while I'm doing it. Well, that's awesome. I've also heard that the goat house highlights local artists singers songwriters makers chefs brewers and entrepreneurs which that's us right for all those things yeah (laughs) um and they intentionally support only original content because they truly believe that communities begin grow and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive what a fantastic idea it is a fantastic idea it's a great atmosphere it's great company it's a lot of fun and it's less than 10 minutes from hank williams grave which is haunted so the next time you go to say hey to old hank Go stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. Amazing. Yep. Follow us on Facebook at The Strange South, Instagram at The Strange South Podcast, or on Twitter at Strange South Pod, and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of The Strange South Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's really, really good. That's probably what I got. That's probably what I got. Tequila. Um, I love tequila. Tequila loves me back. Don't go get tortured. Now I want is sushi rolls. I know. Now that we talked about fried sushi. I just want fried sushi. Just fried sushi. I look down my nose at it, but really I love it and I want to pork it all down. I would totally eat it right now, too. Yes. Because you make good decisions when you're buzzing. Mm Mm-hmm. Best decisions. Best decisions ever. All right, we're back. Your turn. Mm-hmm. Woohoo.